Hello, and welcome to Embracing Diabetes, a podcast that explores the many different ways people are thriving with diabetes in the world. On today's episode, Liz and I spoke with Taylor Lawrence, aka Appleton, an artist and photographer who has been creating art all his life. Appleton was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was six years old and wants to inspire others to carry on and know that they are not alone in this daily battle. He seeks to raise and spread awareness about diabetes by putting his message on the streets. Liz and I love sharing voices from the wide spectrum of the diabetes community. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to talk to you. And I should be here. I was trying to figure out how I came across your art. And I know that I found it first on Instagram. And I think it was through another diabetes channel, how I came across it. And I was so excited. And and because I thought, how have I not known about this guy? Where, what have I, I, look at all I've missed out on. And so I'm really excited to meet you in person. And I am excited to get my piece of art hung up on the wall. Yeah, yes, that's why I'm following up our conversation. I <laughs> date with the framer and hoping everything's my expectations. Awesome. So, that. Yes, Amy. Okay, so we'd like to start off our conversations with this, your story of your diagnosis, what you're comfortable sharing with us, because we all have these stories that are like just cemented in our minds, and we just love hearing each other's stories. If you don't mind, can you tell us about yours? I know you were super young. Yeah, no, not at all. Speak on it quite often, a daily thing almost. We try not to, but it's 24-7 as we've all known for, I hate to say decades, right? Right, guys? I I was six years old. The sad story as it goes, the youngest of four boys to a single mother. It doesn't get any, we could all write it right now. God rest her, last of the red hots, I like to say. Just left one doctor's office repeatedly, and I was almost a bad 70s type doctor. You had a cold, little pat on your head, take it easy. And I really was not doing that well. It was obvious that it was not, forgive me as profanity wanders around my brain. It was not common cold. It was not. And hours later, my mom threw the sack of potatoes that I had become onto her shoulder and took me to the hospital. And that evening, I went into a coma for almost four days. Really surprising. I was in and out of it, but I was lucky to wake up in my mother's arms. And here we are at a time when it was still very interesting to have diabetes. No one really talked about it. You didn't tell your girlfriend when you were 12 years old, for God's sakes. Wait, what year were you diagnosed? Oh, Amy. <laughs> I'm going to make you age. Right back then, in the early 70s. Okay. I've hit Jocelyn's little mark, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so in the 70s, and you were, did you say you were six? Yes. Okay. okay. Puncturing oranges to get practice and stuff like that. And I feel bad for kids today. And I've been working on a story and a 
something about the difference. I met a young friend of mine who now graduated from high school, but I had met him when he was nine and it was just fascinated. The, I was like, what's school like for you? What is, all this when it was for me, quite different. And uh, lucky to have a, I wonder, I guess I was the only diabetic in school. It seemed impossible. But now you need lawyers and all sorts of things. It's yeah, really that's interesting. to have a reaction then and being brought up in that time and what you said. And if you were, most people were private anyways, it wasn't like today where now you have girlfriends who are diabetic. I mean, like you're completely open. In fact, I do think some people use it as an identity, which it conflicts my universal energy with the world. Now you're cool that you're a diabetic when you had nothing to be cool about. The conflicts a cure energy, if you will. Obviously for kids anyways then, but I couldn't imagine knowing your child's blood sugar today, right now. And my friend who I was just speaking about, she and her son, she was like three blocks from her school, let alone people who can see it from across the country. It's a whole new world. I'm glad you brought that up because I wondered, and Liz and I have talked about this before with different guests about what the experience, because I was diagnosed in the early 80s. So I always assumed that the experience for kids getting diagnosed today, like a 14-year-old girl getting diagnosed today versus 1985, I have been curious to know if it's less traumatic, I don't like that word, but how it's different. I know it's different. How I feel like it's less, like you say, it's less invisible. Finding it's incredible that I still meet people who have no idea what it is yeah. and or heard of it. And not to counter that, but it really blows me away. And yeah, I thought that was very cool. And then other people have no idea. I do my street art in addition to the sort of thing at the ripe young age and getting erected occasionally. But one of my things is diabetes coming to a child near you. And yeah. it started long ago with me wanting to make a movie poster and all this other stuff. But my art revolves around whatever my art revolves around. And I put up these big block letters. Yeah. Tell us how, just to back up to start at the beginning of your art, how did you first get into it? And were you always a creative kid? Did you study it in school? What first drew you to being creative? I... Always find that to be a tough answer because yeah. however you said it sounds like you think you're somebody or something, or I've always been a little artist. I was always breaking things and not putting them back together, contrary to the, uh, the home team's faith in me to fix a toaster or a lamp or something. I was steampunk. I was like things that were com- incredibly out of context. I'd like to say I'm slightly dyslexic, just enough to have a skewed perspective on things. I always collected every bottle of insulin that's gone through my system. That's every, so cool. Just every syringe. I was always into logos and Coca-Cola and the Sitco sign for your kids who know what gas is. <laughs> Went to school in Boston and Kenmore Square. We had the cool Sitco sign. Oh, yeah, yeah. But just a sort of retro appreciation of things. A big fan of history, of world history. Like yesterday was history. What is it? The unexamined life is not worth living, as one of my brothers had always told me. But it it grew into that. It grew. I was always into photography and making films. I went to film school. I'm also oh, wow. uh, I produce commercials when I'm not talking to nice podcasters. <laughs> it varies around. It always had a creative bend, and 
film and film school in Boston took away of me ripping up photographs and taping them together and spilling coffee and someone going, oh, you ruined the photograph and me telling old girlfriends, don't touch the coffee. <laughs> Let it dry on the kitchen. I know I'm up. I'm sorry. But, and that's some of my cooler efforts are weird in, in process stuff. But yeah, o- always have been. And of course, diabetes was going to lend its way into it somehow. And I'm sure you're familiar with a guy named Banksy. Yeah, yeah. UK street artist, but it was cool when you didn't know him, just like anything. He made a movie called Exit Through the Gift Shop documentary. You can't tell whether it's really about him or this character that he created named Mr. Beautiful. And a lot of people have these theories about it, that it was a comment on the crap of the art world that this guy out of nowhere can come in and make all this spray paint and stencils and stuff that as an artist i know some things take you 10 minutes and some things take you 30 years photograph over here it's 20 year old photograph so that's me toting it from apartment to apartment going someday hang in there kid that was he was a big influence oh and the of course this guy and mr brainwash so anyways At the time, me and an old girlfriend who was an artist also just started. I always love street art. I will say it, not not the guy who just ruined your front lawn by putting (laughs) some nickname there, excuse me, or your front stoop in a city. But people are really great graph artists and people have put up very thoughtful political art. And, And I enjoyed anonymously putting up the bottles for a long time. Yeah, very cool. And having this like, oh, wow, that's weird. Who is this person? And a friend of mine, God rest him, his daughter is diabetic, became diabetic, and she was bullied at school. There's other ways to meet girls. I don't know. You don't have to be mean to them. I guess that was what happened. But I started putting the bottles up on our way to school. And of course, when you first become diabetic, you're not all strapped up. So you get, you see the bottles, you see the iconic shape and image. And it just made her smile. And she's become a street artist. This is a couple of years ago, a few years back. She turned out to be a very hip kid who knew art, street art after turning it around. So tell uh, us, let me just jump in for a second. Tell, explain for our listeners, and we will do our best to get images up there so that people can see images and the show notes and everything. But, and then I know this is hard for artists to do, but can you explain, give us an idea. You mean clear and get to the point? No, Tell, just was, describe, for example, describe one of your, like your more recent pieces and what the process is. If you take a bottle of insulin, what's your first step? Do you draw it? Do you sketch it? Do you take a photograph? What materials do you use? Secret vault. It's hard to describe because some things hit you. I love bottles. Like I said, Coca-Cola, Chanel, it's like, Little, just I, we all grew up with them. Your formative years, you take things for granted. It's a pop graphic kind of um, image. Yeah. People on street art were like, what the fuck is this? So, yeah. we, somebody just put up an insulin bottle? And why? And people, it's funny, a lot of it gets confused for adverts. But I'll love to meet the old guys. Hey, saw the MPH. <laughs> and it kind of makes your day. And then, you know, I just started meeting more people and galleries. Don't have, I'm sorry if this is a dumb question, but you don't, don't have just 
your name is not out there. If people see your art, they're not going to know who you are or any story behind it. No, I get a lot of got a lot of nice love from people who are like, I saw it. I didn't think it was you. And then I realized it was. But that, but how do people know somebody just walking by? How do they know it's you? Or know how to find you? Um, I'm just. Got a bunch of followers on my Instagram. And your point of putting it out there is not necessarily about getting any kind of recognition. It's about putting it out there, creating a message. It's fun. I've watched other artists do it. I've watched other artists come about before social media when people just did it out of the spirit because you were an artist. I imagine Shepard Fairey, who's on yeah. he did Obey, his yeah. whole thing. How unbelievable. Without an ego. And then most people do that. I must say, you enjoy when people like your work. I don't know what the, the headset is with this, your street art, but I, I do like that people see it. I do that they get it. And in New York right now in a subway, I have two huge pieces that have been there for January because I just took over this huge block of space where it almost looks like it's supposed to be there. And I know other artists have also, I consider this a big amount of respect, not uh, doctored it up with their own signatures. Some kids do, and that's the cool thing of the evolution of street art. I love to come back and go, oh, someone just ruined my thing. <laughs> okay, cool. And then you get little graphic cool shots that you use later for something else, and you can't be offended. So plenty of space in New York, as they say. Stay up, you got to get up. Yeah. You don't want to get messed with, you get hired. <laughs> I like, that's a good philosophy. Where do the where does the use of your, the different symbols that you have? Because again, listeners won't know this, but you use you have different symbols that you use in your art, like for example, the Tin Man stuff like that. So, what where does that come from? I think you'll like the Tin Man. It was always the favorite, you know. No judgment on uh, you know the Scarecrow, etc. I love the Tin Man. I have decided that Oz is not that perceptive. As we all know, uh, the Tin Man already had a heart. The lion was already brave. The crow smart and Dorothy just a nice kid. I find the Tin Man had all the qualities of everybody. If you do remember, he was a little bit of the leader, a little bit, had like little ideas that kept him moving forward. Um, plus, he's got an axe, you know, how cool that you know <laughs> no one ever realizes that there's monkeys flying around the guy's got an axe yeah, everyone's scared of the monkeys that's right you one monkey and they're all gonna run <laughs> so Oz should have given him a pancreas instead of a heart <laughs> earlier he needs a pancreas he's like the rest of us he's always stiff in the morning and uh, <laughs> they're getting some oil just as lethargic as we get when you're in the 300s and you messed up and you're like, now I don't feel like doing anything as my head feels like a rock. Yeah. It always inspired me even before I realized it. That stepfather for a great number of years, a really sweet guy. And at the time when they only showed The Wizard of Oz once a year. Yes, I remember those days. Yeah, holidays. Dating my sisters here right now, the rest of us. But he could quote the whole movie. And I was just, oh, I was wow. and I don't know where he read it or if he had the screenplay or something, but it just seems so magical. I'm going to go back and rewatch it again with my kids, but you can almost imagine the Tin Man always needed fresh oil, right? So right. that into so his body, just like us putting our, you probably already thought of that, but us refilling with I, I have so many pieces of things I've yet to 
a big oil can that says insulin on yeah. it. It's sitting in a roll somewhere in the house. <laughs> yeah, all those things have come. Trying not to make it kitschy or corny. Right. You wanted to make it heartfelt. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's always on you. It's a weighty thing. It's nice to have people with you. But I uh, truly, uh, yeah, it's a solitary disease. It's heavy that I don't think a lot of people put on. And you got to be the tough guy. You know what? Uh, I I just read. Um, I love when people say they just read. The average person has um sixty to seventy thousand thoughts a day. Do you know how much the average diabetic has? <laughs> one hundred and twenty, twice that. Wow. And I was talking to a friend, and they went, "That's just so." You love people are not just empathetic, even in the conversation. It's impossible. How could that be? And I said, when you wake up in the morning, and won't forgive any specifics, you go to the bathroom and you have coffee. What the hell did you think about between the bathroom and the coffee? Nothing. You didn't even think about going to the bathroom. You just went to the bathroom. On the coffee, you're going to hit a button. Who knows what your ritual is? Where's the sugar? What should I do now? Did I all the to blah, blah, blah. I got to take another shot. I got to take the big shot. This one in the morning. Oh, now I can't even drink coffee because it's way up. Now what do I do? I got another decision to make. So by the time you've actually done anything, Mr. Bathroom Coffee, you've diagnosed your whole day. I got to wear my, I got meetings here. I've got to double back. I don't want to put a candy bar in there because it's going to melt in the that night. So I got to put an orange yeah. in it. I can't look all weird when I really want to eat fruit and still have a bad soda. Somebody was like looking at me the other day going, you're eating an apple. I'm like, yeah. Because when I was a kid, my mom forced Coca-Cola on me. Uh, If you go to one recent postings. That was quick. Yeah. on, On a medical tag that I wore as a kid, it says Coke on it. Wow. Give Coke or liquid sugar was my mother's verbatim copy on it, which is just fascinating. So uh, just to that point of all of the mental stressors that we all share, because you're making your art, is that a healing at all, a healing process? Like when you're in it, when you're really in a piece and it is related to diabetes and you're you're not thinking about anything else but making art, has that been healing for you at all? I think you just said exactly what it is. <laughs> Leading the question. Yeah. <laughs> no, even though, but you already get it. Let's put it that way. That's an interesting question. I was looking it over this morning. It doing whatever you're in the throes of right now, you guys are in a good mood, right? Mm-hmm. We're grooving <laughs> in the podcast. So yeah, that's all it is. I mean, art is art. It's not really. If I didn't have a debilitating disease that interrupted sometimes, you wouldn't really notice. Music's on, nice cup of coffee, where, you know, life couldn't be better. I'm not, I'm not, a, God bless everybody who works everywhere, anywhere in the world, but I get to work with my hands and make stuff that comes out of me. So I'm pretty lucky and very lucky. Yeah. What are some things, Taylor, that you're excited about or that you're looking forward to, like in terms of, Upcoming projects or things. I'm with our tin man here. I have many pieces devoted to him. A nice thing I've written about what he means, similar similar to what I've described with you. That's excited me because I cannot stop making um, him. And the tin man is cool. That's all yeah, that it is. Needs to be yeah, said. yeah. And used to inspire you, which is great. 
I have to ask you, but before we let you go, you said you've held on to all these insulin bottles. Where the hell do you keep them? <laughs> like, that's a lot. That's a lot of bottles. And just for kicks, my friends, let's see. 1996. Wow. Oh, my gosh. They were dated. Right. Huh. Oh, yeah, they are. Look at that. Yeah. Now, that was cool when they were dated. And I still have some old ones that said uh, from pork and beef. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's right. You're, yeah. I'm working on something right now with a guy, the fruit guy on the corner. I want to put these all in ice and then put them right next to peaches and some other things. And the sun hits really nicely on it in the mornings. As if you go to get your insulin from the corner. Right. I have this thing about making your own insulin, getting your own insulin, not very big love hate with big pharma. That might be our next podcast. Totally. <laughs> A lot to say about that. Leave you with this to prep us for next time. There's no money in a cure. Yeah. And there. Yeah. We really appreciate all that you're doing, Taylor, for like with your art and creating awareness, putting it out there. I think we both, we, Amy and I both need to get going, but we really appreciate you talk to us. I'm glad it's oh, it's great to hear your feedback and your opinion. And we'll totally let you know when this piece is yes. posted online so you can attach it or do whatever you do with the Instagram stuff. Where Amy's more well, skilled about it. We'll have a kind of things to say later on my posting about yeah. empowering diabetes and you guys. And yes. thank you for letting me ramble. So you glad bet. to meet you. And hopefully we can converse again soon. Yeah. You guys too. Look forward. Right. Take care, Taylor. Taylor. Look forward to getting my art. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Embracing Diabetes with your podcast hosts, Dr. Liz Stevens and myself, Amy Stockwell, and music by Noah Mortola. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe felt inspired or informed or less alone or all of the above. Please follow Embracing Diabetes on all major podcast platforms and leave a comment, question, or review. Thanks again. We hope you'll come back for more.